Made for more living. One small step for man. With Johnny Jennings. Kick the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. The fastest and most exciting hour of news, events, and real estate in Northern California. And this is a fact that was proved. Powered by EXP Realty. Online at madeformoreliving.com. Does everybody know what time it is? Get ready. Here we go. If you are thinking about buying or selling a home, we have the show for you today. This, we're going to be covering the topic that most people overlook, and it costs them thousands of dollars when buying or selling a piece of real estate. With us today, we have Matt Singer with Good Life. Matt, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, greetings, everybody. Um, Thanks for having me. Um, I've been in the industry for 10 years. Um, I kind of did it backwards, started in the management side for five, and then um, decided that it was easier to clean up my own problems than other people's problems. So I went into the inspecting, um, d- doing the termite or pest inspections for escrow transactions. Um, and I've been doing that for almost six years now with uh, good life inspections. We're, uh, a bigger group of four different companies, all construction related. Um, I work for the inspection division, um, Good Life Inspections. We formerly were North American Home Services. Got it. So you've been doing this a while, at least six years on the inspection side. Yep. And so what are what are some of the craziest things? So you've been in and out of houses all day long for the last six years. What are some crazy things that you've seen when when inspecting properties? I've I've seen a lot of crazy things. Um, so it's you know it's like p- take your pick. Um, I know there's one that's in particular that in uh, Granite Bay, it was a, a fairly large listing. It was uh, uh, over a million dollars. Um, the owner had to move for business and we did an inspection of the house. Uh, it was, a, I think, a 6,000 square foot house with a really wow. fancy facade. It was all brick and um, slate stone. And um, during the inspection, we found some warped like window sills and there's a certain amount of warping that's normal, which is wear and tear. That's a like a fiberboard product, so it's pretty susceptible to moisture. But these ones were were fairly bad, and it, that's an indication that the windows have failed, like they're leaking into the house or into the wall. Um, and this was also facing south, which is the weather side of the house, so it's getting direct rain on basically everything, right? You get on the other indirect weather sides, they're not getting that direct um, water contact, so. We went under the house. There was, you know, some evidence of water in the sub area. It was insulated. So you had these um, insulation battens covering a lot of stuff up. We opened up an area as like a, like a further inspection to see what we're dealing with. Yeah. And it turns out that the majority of the front of this house, that the lower level windows had all been leaking mm. and we had to deconstruct the whole front of the house. And then it led wow. into a brick facade that was an archway that was super technical. And I mean, long story short, it was a two month repair. Wow. Two month repair it was 120, 120 grand. $120,000 repair. Oh yeah. And it was so when you first saw the warped windows, yep. what was your thought? Like, this is how much, like, what, what did you think it was going to be? My first thought was, oh no. Oh gosh. <laughs> and then after that, it was, this could be like a 60, thousand dollar job just because the siding was so difficult because then we have to put it back together and match Mm -hmm. um so taking it apart we're going to try and salvage what we can salvage because finding matching material is difficult so was that an issue when it was first constructed they built it poorly or what was the problem it was so they had brick windowsills on the outside so that's pretty heavy right and then you flash a window when you put it in but that flashing is going to last so long. And then when they did this brick, they put a right angle, like a steel, a piece of steel right angle metal to support the bricks so they wouldn't sag. And eventually over time, when it's getting hit with the sun, so the house is expanding and contraction, contracting with the heat, and then you got water also being introduced for the winter period, um, it just sprung a leak. And then that water is just constantly mm. testing that flashing and flashing around a window is not like metal. It's they're, they're using like a mastic or a, um, like a building paper type material. So over time you get that wet and then dry it out, wet and dry it out. It becomes brittle cracks. And then boom, you got water in a wall. Wow. So it, when I first saw it, I was like, okay, hopefully this is, you know, just like somebody sleeps with the windows open. And once we opened it up, it, that wasn't the case. Oh my gosh. So when you saw that, did you think, is this like if some, 
Were the buyers expecting something of this? The buyers were not. Did the sellers know that there was an issue? The seller was not as well. And he had just bought, he bought the house three years previously and had an inspection. And I'd say that that condition had been there at least five years. The amount of damage that it had done, it was, I mean, you're talking at least five years of moisture exposure. I mean, we're only getting rain a couple months a year. Yeah. So the inspectors he had out when he bought the home, who was now the homeowner. Yep. The inspectors did not catch this. They missed it. And they had um, plantation shutters. So um, it's just on the south side and the west side. I mean, good life. We we pride ourselves on the thoroughness of our inspections. So, um, you know, our guys are trained. But when you have these plantation shutters, you don't need to necessarily open them all. But on the south and the west side of the house, those are the direct weather sides. Mm-hmm. It really, you should. Because you find something like this. You either see it from the outside. And if you don't open those shutters, you miss it. And that would have been a $120,000 miss that a buyer would have been saddled with. You so know? what ended up happening with the uh, buyers and sellers? On well, that? in this, in that case, um, the buyer really wanted the house and they had actually prematurely removed contingencies. So he, he was in, he couldn't leave. Oh, wow. Yeah. Woo. And so, and then the guy selling the house was an attorney for a mining company. So he was uh, astute at law. And he agreed to cover, I think it was fifty to sixty thousand. So then we had this, you know, windfall of like seventy grand or you know sixty grand. And so we had to. I mean, there was quite a bit of going back and forth. Yeah. We opened some more stuff up just to make sure we knew like what exactly we were estimating. Um, it turns out that the seller was actually a pretty you know level-headed guy, and they split it. That's cool. Interesting. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah, like, I mean, it was a, it was unfortunate. You know, it's not one of those things that we're looking forward to, because I mean, I was there weekends. I mean, I met so many people at that house and walked it so many different times that. <laughs> and that's unusual too that the seller would be willing to play ball, especially know? without contingency, like with contingencies removed, the the buyer was in. Yeah, if you're listening to this and if you're selling a house or you're buying a house and you're content and the buyer has removed their contingencies. Right, that buyer is locked in. They locked have in. they have to move in on that home. Yep. They have to perform, or they lose their deposit potentially. Yep. And so it's it's which which do you want? And the and I've, I've seen others similar to that where they they neglected to do a pre list inspection to understand the house before they marketed, and then they do inspections right, and you're on this timeline, you're on an escrow timeline, so you now have a deadline that this stuff has to get done. Yep. So we go do an inspections, and it turns up you know some substantial findings like over 10 grand and now if they had leverage it's now moved over to the buyer side because you have these larger repair conditions that need to be addressed yeah so the granite bay story that's an incredible story yeah warped windows turned into one hundred twenty thousand dollars in damages but like what's more common like because as a real estate agent, when I see decks, when I see decking, oh, yeah. I'm like, oh boy, here we You're not go. Not the only one. Yeah. What do you What do you see when you see a deck? When I see a deck, I the first thing I see is what side of the house is it on, and is it covered? Mm. Um, covered decks, like if they have a patio cover, any kind of cover to deflect weather. Yeah. Um, they tend to be in better shape, um, and then you know, obviously the side or the orientation of the deck matters. If the south side or west side decks, they tend to be damaged more often because they're exposed to the weather more, right? Yep. If you're on the north or the east side, you're opposite weather. So they don't get hit quite as hard. They don't get that direct sunlight. So what we see normally is surface fungus, which doesn't mean that the wood has to be removed, right? It just means it has to be scratched off and, and treated with a fungicide. So that's like best case scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, what's more common is we'll find sections of the deck where either the decking is damaged or it's um, an indication of the joicing, like the framing, yeah. the structure of the deck is damaged. And the thing with decks is once you start taking them apart, you have a lot of wood to wood connection and you start deconstructing and it just turns into a can of worms. And so it's like, you know, it's no inspector. Inspectors don't like looking at decks either because we know how it fits into deals and it can definitely change the landscape or end at escrow. Correct. Yep. So deck decks are a problem. And then um, a lot of people are are surprised to hear that there's termites in the area. Yes. Right. So how often do you run into that? What does that look like? Well, Sacramento is, I mean, if you didn't know, Sacramento is a termite prone area. Uh, we're in the valley. We have rivers, all that stuff. And it used to be a lot of orchards. So you got a lot of wood in the ground. Um, our most common termite is subterranean termite, termites, termites. There's like a part frog, part termite. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so subterranean termites are the most common. They live in the ground, come out of the soil, feed on the wood, and then take it back into the ground. Um, 
There's a misconception. You know, people hear termites and they tend to panic. Um, yeah, it's not optimal. You don't want termites. Sure. Um, but the average treatment for, you know, eradicating termites is about twelve to fifteen hundred bucks if you have a standard size house. And the good thing about termites is once you treat the house, the termites stop doing damage. Dry rot's not quite like that. So, you know, what I tell people when we're doing walkthroughs and you find termites is like, look, I understand that there's a stigma and, you know, the word termite can be a trigger, but realistically, it's not that big of a de- not that big of a deal. Yeah. Like dry rot can be much worse. It's an infection, right? Mm-hmm. So termite damage, you stop the termites, you stop the damage, you can reinforce that wood. It doesn't have an infection that's going to continue to spread. Dry rot, on the other hand, has to be removed and replaced. You have you can't reinforce it. You have to take it out and then put something new back in. That's a really good point. Yeah, yeah. it's you know it's people tend to look over dry rot and they focus on termites when the reality is you know unless termites have been at a property for a long time, they usually don't do very much damage. Termites and mold, you yeah. know. Yep. Yeah. And we don't say that word because you have to have a license. Yeah. You can't, say, can't say the M word. Can't say the M word. But people who, oh, it's black mold. Um, that's, uh, uh, that's, I don't I think so. Tell you that. I don't think so. It looks more like mildew to me. But like, but so many people freak out. And the, the, the hard thing about a lot of these inspections, if you haven't done the, the pre-list, which we'll talk about in a later segment, but it's unknown to the seller. The seller can only disclose what they know. And the buyer's getting these reports from companies like your like yours, like yep. Good Life, yep. where they're like, "What? This is insane! How did the seller not know?" And so it's just it's a total it's a total game changer because how do you know if there's subterranean termites in your house? Like how would you tell unless you like how would you tell? Well, it, I mean, an array's found you 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 really only a pest inspector or a termite inspector is going to know that. And what happens a lot with the sellers is they'll have normal pest control, and so they think that that is a way to maintain the house. Those mm-hmm. guys are looking for just bugs. They don't have, we have different licenses. So pest control guys have a license to call out or, you know, write recommendations based on rodents, ants, things like that. They aren't trained in dry rot or fungus and they're not trained in termites. So they're not looking for those things. So if you have pest control and you think that they're checking your house out like that, they are not. And so, and that's, we'll see people who think, oh, we have normal pest control we have for five years. The house is pristine, right? And that's not the case. In a raised foundation, meaning, you know, it's got a concrete perimeter footing that the house is built on. And then underneath the house is an open area mm-hmm. or a void. Um, those homes, really, you should have them inspect every three to five years because termites can show up anywhere. And usually they'll come up in the sub area because it's darker. It's not hot, right? It's, it's usually pretty moist or wet. And so that's like the conditions that they prefer. In a slab house, this is my personal experience, 90% of the time in a slab house, if you have termite infestation, it's going to start on the firewall in the garage. Um, really? There's two different slabs. You have a garage slab that's, you know, poured and engineered to carry a car and, you know, the structure. The main slab of the house is just meant to carry people, their furniture, and the house. So they have an expansion joint um, between the two slabs. And for whatever reason, the termites, they find that, they find that joint. And it's a, it's a hop, skip, and a jump right into the wall. Wow. So like 90% of the time, if you have a slab, the firewall or the common wall between the house and the garage, that's usually where you want to focus. Got it. And so how, by focus, you mean just doing your inspections or treating or, or wood? If or if you're just living in the house, right? I mean, a lot of people will have a fridge in there and they'll store their sports gear and all that stuff. So you really can't see the concrete or the curb, the base of the wall in the garage because it's obstructed. But if you were, you know, attuned to that and, and hyper diligent about your house, um, you could check on that every so often and just go along and look at the curb and, and try and identify, I mean, they're pretty distinct mud tubes and, okay. you know, you're not going to have mud or dirt in your garage like that. It's like on the wall, it's in a tube, you know, it's, it's pretty obvious and you can just go online and check out what mud tubes look like or subterranean termite tubes mm-hmm. and have an idea. So you see them and you, you're like, uh-oh, what do I do? Call, yeah, and then you call, call Termite life. Company. Yep, call, call Good, good life. life and we'll come out and, and give you a good deal on getting rid of them. Awesome. Well, hey, thanks for sharing some of those stories. Coming up next, we're going to be talking about the dark underbelly of inspection companies because there are some things you need to look out for. Coming up fast. 
So if you're listening to today's show and you're wondering, what kind of offers could Johnny Jennings and the Tom Daves team get me for my home right now? Easy way to find out. Give Johnny Jennings a call at 855-TOM-DAVES. Better yet, go to the website tomdaves.com, type in your address, bam, right away you find out what kind of offers you would get, the low and high end, and how much you would get if you wanted a cash offer today, no matter what kind of condition your home is in. The website again is TomDaves.com. This is Made for More Living with Johnny Jennings, powered by EXP Realty, online at madeformoreliving.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we are covering things that make or break a real estate transaction. Today we have a special guest, Matt Singer with Good Life, and we are going to be covering the dark underbelly of inspections. These are things that if you're looking to buy or sell a house, you have to be aware of because they will cost you thousands of dollars if you don't handle this correctly. Matt, what are some things that separate, like when you've come in and you've been asked to provide an additional inspection, meaning somebody's already been to the property, already inspected it, but for whatever reason, they're wanting a second opinion. What are some common things you run into that the, the other company didn't yeah, catch. So I mean, the first thing is like good life inspections. We will give you a second opinion or a competitive estimate for free. So you're not going to have to pay for it again. Right. Um, some companies will, some companies won't. We do a free inspection for a competitive bid every time. That's huge guys. Yeah. It's, it, it helps out. I mean, you don't want to pay for it twice and you know, we appreciate the opportunity to come in and, and give our perspective. Um, the way the, so what I see the most as far as when people end up in situations where they either a they don't trust the pest report they got, or the estimates are really high, or the recommendations are kind of extreme for repairing is um, typically like on a raised foundation. There's lack of faith in what was called under the house, right? And so this is where pictures fit in. Like we at North at Good Life or formerly North American, we take pictures in the sub area because we understand if you have a raised foundation, that is a focal point of that inspection because nobody's going to go under the house. Doesn't everybody take pictures though? Like no, everybody doesn't. And that's the thing. You're like kidding. We're, it's 2024. We should be taking pictures. You have smartphones, right? You have little cameras that are pretty durable. Why not? Um, but they don't. And so, you know, you could have these substantial findings, whether it's leaky toilets that have damaged the whole floor and you got to rip a bathroom floor out or something. And then there's no pictures to validate that. Right. And then a seller is like, well, that estimate is pretty hefty. Yep. And or the buyer or the buyer. Yeah. yeah. And, and how come we don't have any pictures of it? So, I mean, that's something that we focus on. If you're going to go, if we're going to go into a house, we're going to take pictures so that people can at least have a frame of reference to understand what we called. Right. And so what I see a lot as far as, you know, what, what can be overturned in a second opinion is there are conditions. One of them is milled beetles um, where the tree before it was milled had a beetle infestation. Um, they cut it down. They season it. So the beetles die. But there's evidence when they mill it, they cut across these galleries and it looks similar to what a beetle infestation would be. Now, beetles are a moisture related pest, um, not like termites, and they're they can be difficult to find. Um, but because they're moisture related, there's a smell. I mean, if you've been doing this a long time, you kind of know when to be alert mm -hmm. and you'll have companies call that milled beetle, which isn't an active wood destroying condition. It's a previous condition that's just showing up when they milled it. And they'll call that as an active beetle condition, which requires a fumigation, the most expensive fume. It's a five day tent. Um, to make so when sure. the circus comes to town, that's because oh, yeah. mill, it's, mill it's, beetles. Yeah, and it, you're getting all three rings, like with oh, the, the, <laughs> with the beetles. So, um, and then you have to do something about the moisture. Um, and so, usually there's a vapor barrier or some kind of moisture control recommendation. They can get upwards of you know six to eight grand to correct a beetle condition. And I've seen plenty of reports where the first inspector called beetles and has a large estimate because of the beetles and then go under there and find out it's milled beetle. The sub area is perfectly dry. There's no excessive moisture and it's really not an accurate, you know, it's not an accurate depiction of the conditions under the house and they don't have pictures of it. So there's no way for anybody to look at the pictures and go, Oh, okay. I see. Right. Cause yeah. I mean, some agents that have been around the block, right. They, they know they've dealt with this before. So, I mean, this is another reason why I, 
you know, I tell agents or I recommend to agents, like if you have a pest inspector, you trust stick with them, stick with that person, ride to die. Like, mm-hmm. you know, good life. Um, we pride ourselves on our relationships. We try to form relationships with agents um, just because we understand how they do business. And, you know, there's certain things that we do that we have to do They're You know, I, what I tell people is findings are facts. So we just have to find the stuff. The recommendations to repair them are subjective. Mm-hmm. And if you have an inspector who's invested with your agent and your clients, they're going to do what they can to do what's best for everybody. Yep. And so it's, you know, I have a vested interest in your business because I want you to look good. And I also want to make my company look good as well. Yep. And there's a, there's a couple of takeaways that I got from hearing, hearing about this Mill Beatles situation or yep. just inspectors in general. One is that you do the free reinspects. So if anything looks fishy, if anything's off, whether you're a buyer or a seller, call, call Good Life. Yep. And they almost said North American. Call, <laughs> good, call Good Life. Call Good Life and they'll come out and do the inspect for free. It costs you nothing. It could save you thousands and thousands of dollars. That's thing number one. Yep. Thing number two is, why are people not taking photos? Like, I'm still hung up on, on that, that you can say, hey, there's $10,000 in repairs that need to be made. Okay, show me the photos. Oh, I, I can't. It's, it was too dark. It's a lot of trust. I, I don't agree. I mean, if I, somebody changes the brake pads on my truck and they say, "Hey, you need new brake pads," I'm like, "Okay, show me the old brake pads." Correct. Oh, they're, they're in the trash. What, what are you talking about? Like, why did you why did you do that? Yes. Show me the brake pads. Like, prove to me that I need new brake pads. Yeah, and show it to me before you fix it. Correct. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. If you end up yeah. having to negotiate, you negotiate out repairs in escrow period mm-hmm. and you have all these findings, you know, thousands of dollars of repair in the sub area, but nobody showed you any proof of that. It's really there. I mean, that's, you know, you're taking a leap of faith and, and you're exposed. Oh, and it just hit me too, but you were talking about like, um, realtors working together with the inspectors and with their clients and doing what's right. When you're buying a house, sometimes that buyer's agent might, might bring an inspector along. And sometimes well, most people don't realize so when we talk about, Hey, this can make or break a transaction. This can cost or save you thousands of dollars. It's this moment right here. Leverage. In the in the request for repairs, right? So there's the initial offer process where you're, hey, I'll bid more than the other person. Hey, my offer is strong. I'll put this much money down. You get the house under contract. Boom. Okay. Then there's a second negotiation that takes place. Seasoned agents know, hey, well, let's get our offer accepted, and then let's rake them over the coals that's in the it. request for repairs. Yep. And so if you have, that's why you need to call, like if anything's, if you're a seller and you're getting raked over the coals on the request for repairs and you're like, that doesn't make sense. Why, why are they saying we need to do all this stuff? That wasn't here before. I've lived in the house. I've had no issues. We had an inspection done previously. This, there was no show, there were no findings. Call Good Life, have them out there, and they can save you thousands of dollars. I'm currently helping somebody with something like this. Tell Where, us about that. Can you so share? They're, they're, it's a house in Auburn, a very nice house, huge deck. It's composite decking. Most of the framing is pressure treated, so it's weather resistant, right? It's gonna it's gonna have less of an issue than a wood deck, even a redwood deck. It doesn't like it's it's more sturdy, more you know durable. So a f- they had a first inspection, no pre list. So the buyer brings in their inspector, the agent trusts him. He had a bad day. He was very aggressive. I know the guy from past experiences. So he goes out there and it's a type of siding that's not like, it's a wood based product, but it's not wood. It's a lap siding that's press board, right? And engineered wood. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you could say it's a, uh, a beefy cardboard. Siding. All right. And if you poke it in a certain way or probe it, which is what we do to check for dry rot, um, if you poke it in a certain way, you can get that to, you can have that siding fail or look like it's failed, even though it's not a wood destroying condition. Mm. And because of, I guess, his state of mind at the time, he, he went a little aggressive. They look like giant lances for yes. those of you who haven't seen them before. Like yeah. if you've watched, what was it? Um, yeah, the a Knight's Tale yeah. or whatever. Yeah, they look like giant lances and they're just shoving it into the trim That's and it. all over the place. So I could see how if someone's having a bad day. And he was going in underneath. So at the bottom of the lap, he was going in at the uh, thin side. So, you know, that it's weathered and he's going to slice into it. And, and, so, and so he said there was, there were findings. He, the, yeah. And then the deck, you know, it's, it's already the, the, the type of material, it's not going to fungus damage. Now it had fungus growth on it, which needs to be scraped or pressure washed, but it wasn't structurally, you know, compromised. And he essentially told the buyers that it wasn't worth it. Like that this house was a, like a potential disaster. Like the water could have been getting in the walls and all these like just, alarming things. Right. And the agent was smart enough 
to say, hey, you know, you are my guy, but this is obviously a bad day for you. Mm-hmm. And got in contact with me. I went out there and looked at the house. It was a hefty estimate. Um, you know, right now I'm working on, you know, kind of whittling the number down to get to something that's agreeable for both sides. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't as bad as he made it seem. And some of the stuff that had been probed really wasn't damaged and it just needs to be bondoed or, or wood filled. And so it, it's like the tale of two inspections. And he actually at, you know, at the point where they were going back and forth and it got a little contentious, he, he basically said, I'm not writing a report on this house. Why? I, you, I, your, I know your guess is as good as mine. Okay. But so I, I really am the first to throw down a report on the house, mm. but I'm the second to inspect. Interesting. And, and, you know, he was telling them it was, you know, tens of thousands, like 30 grand to fix this. Verbally. Um, He's yeah, telling them verbally. Yeah. Verbally that yeah. it's going to be really expensive and it is, it's a tall house. It's got three stories. It's built on the side of a hill. Um, but it's, you know, my estimate was big, but not that. And I didn't see any indication of water in the wall. So like my story was a polar opposite. Wow. And this is something that kind of I can't be the only guy that's frustrated with this is sometimes it feels like an inspector comes in there and it's like they're paid on commission. It's like the more well, findings, we are. The, the, <laughs> I mean, kind of, but it's like the more findings they have, like the, the, the better they're doing their job, whether or not the finding is accurate. Yes. You know? And so for somebody to come in there and, and there's no ramification against like, there's no repercussions for them. Well, we have a board, so you can't complain to the board. The structural pest control board is there are regulatory body. Oh. So there's only four States that have structural pest control boards, and those are the states with the most biodiversity, right, as far as this stuff goes. Uh-huh. So it's Hawaii, California, Texas, Florida. So okay. they have state-run agencies that oversee us. Part of that is because we're applying pesticides around houses, right, and they want to make sure we're doing it safely. The other is because we have so much diversity as far as wood-destroying organisms that they want to make sure that we're doing our job thoroughly. And, you know, you're talking about a purchase of a house, like even if half of society doesn't, right? So half does, they might do it once, twice in their life and it's a lot of money. So they want to make sure that we're on the up and up. I mean, that's why we have state licenses. So, and we have to renew those licenses every three years because they want to make sure that we're up to snuff. Yep. And so, you know, also the free market, if you do spurious inspections and you give, you know, outrageous estimates, agents talk. Yeah. And it's you're going to get crushed. I mean, you're not going to be in business very long. But here's the thing that those those bad actors tend to cling and they tend to find it's business crazy. regardless. It's, it's just it's frustrating. It's just incredibly frustrating to me because I I'll, I'll speak. To, I, I was talking to one guy in a cigar lounge the other day and I was like, he's like, yeah, I try to find everything wrong. Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, what if that isn't an issue? Well, it could be an issue. So I'm I'm disclosing and I'm letting them know. And it's like, why, why are you saying there's what a liability my, angle? Right. Yeah. So like, what commonly will happen with us um, is you do an inspection. I mean, good life, we, we have very good inspectors, right? And we, and we try to avoid these, be proactive and not reactive. But if, if you have situations that you're not at least identifying, it doesn't have to be a finding. You're not noting or disclosing. They're going to negotiate however they do. The house closes and then something turns up. The first thing we, you know, they're going to call the agent and say, hey, this, you know, this happened. And then we're going to get a phone call and it's going to say, how come you didn't catch this? And if I would have known this was there, this ha- I mean, this is like every time. No, no, no. <laughs> if I would have known this was there, I would have negotiated on it. Yeah. Right. So who's I wouldn't li- have bought the house. That's it. Yeah. And so who's liable? Right. Mm. And so, you know, when we do an inspection, there is some liability because of that. Right. You want to negotiate on the reality of the house or the, you know, the conditions. But if we don't repair it and clear it, our liability has an endpoint, you yeah. know what I mean? And so, but we don't want to see somebody get, you know, the short end of the stick, especially when you're doing something like buying a house, like that's supposed to be exciting. And when you mm-hmm. end up finding something that's, you know, malfunctioning or failing, you know, and it costs a lot of money, usually you're pretty strapped when you move into a house. I agree. I agree. It's just so frustrating when an inspector set makes a big deal out of nothing. The finding isn't the problem. It's the recommendation for the repair. It's the, re- it's the recommendation. Right? It's, and it's, if the finding's even accurate. That's it. Right. That's it. So, so like yeah. the finding, you can have a lot of findings. I don't like a lot of findings because it's big reports and that means I got to write them. Right. So I'd rather have accurate conditions. Right. Mm-hmm. It's how you repair those conditions. 
And a lot of times they'll sandwich them into one big recommendation. Got and it. so you get a bigger price and it's harder to justify. Like I'll have the same finding, siding, but there'll be three different findings because the recommendations to repair them are different. Some Got can be it. dug out and filled. Some of them have to be removed and replaced. Got it. Hey, so thank you so much, Matt, for the for the input on that. What we're going to be doing when we come back is we're going to be going over findings, common issues, how to find them, how to avoid them, and what to do if you do stumble across them. Thank you so much for listening. Did you know that no matter what your home or pest inspection report says, Johnny Jennings and the Tom Daves team can help you sell your home, put it on the market. Even if you don't have the time or the money to make those repairs, they can help with that. Just go to TomDaves.com, type in your address, find out what kind of offers you would get on your home and how much you would get if you wanted a cash offer today, no matter what kind of condition your home is in. The website again is TomDaves.com or give Johnny Jennings a call at 855-TOM-DAVES. This is Made for More Living with Johnny Jennings, powered by EXP Realty, online at madeformoreliving.com. Welcome back to the show. We are covering the things that make or break a real estate transaction when it comes to inspections. And we've already covered how a warped window sill can go from being just a potential issue to $120,000 repair. We've gone over how people may say, and other inspectors, non-reputable inspectors may say, it's a $10,000 repair, and really, there's not even a problem to begin with. So how how do you, so we've already covered a lot of ground. we got Matt Singer here with Good Life, helping us out today. He's a special guest. And what we're going to cover now are common issues that you come into, that you find when inspecting a home, and really what homeowners can do to prevent these costly mistakes and repairs from being needed to take place. Matt, what is, what's the number one thing you run into? So, well, so I'd say off the bat, before I jump into that, is as far as maintenance on a house, what mm-hmm. I recommend to homeowners is if you're on a slab house, um, stucco or wood siding, to have it inspected every five years at least, right? Um, on a raised foundation, I'd say every three, because you have that sub area that's nobody's looking at, yeah. right? And you can have a leak and it's better to catch it earlier. Then before it does damage, right? Catch it early, you can fix it. It doesn't do a bunch of damage. So when you say inspection, like what are, what can people expect cost wise? Um, so at Good Life, we have I think a slab house is 150 bucks, and then a raised foundation is 180. But you can do what we call a limited, right? You can do a targeted inspection. So if say the homeowner is pretty savvy, right, and and is keeping up their house, they're they're good on maintenance. Pay for just a crawl, and then you're looking at like 100 bucks. So you just call a termite company and say, hey, I need my sub area crawled and a foundation inspection. I don't need you to look at the siding or the inside, just the foundation and whatever. Now, if you have a raised foundation, we're going to have to run the plumbing because we want to find plumbing leaks. So Mm -hmm. you're going to have to go inside and run the plumbing just so we can get a good look when we go into the house. By run the plumbing, you mean have the faucets on, the showers on? Yeah, let the sinks run for a couple minutes, flush the toilets, let the showers run for a little bit just so we can run water through the pipes. That way, when we go into the house, it's like two birds, one stone, Mm -hmm. right? Um, but what I see most commonly, and it's uh, it's wear and tear, is the south and west side of the house aren't maintained properly, and then you have you know a concentration of conditions. So you know what I tell people is, hey, if you gave me ten pest reports and you lined them up in front of me, just the diagrams, I could tell you the south side of the house just based off those diagrams. Wow. Because the concentration of the findings are usually on the south and the west side, with the southwest corner being like what I call ground zero. That's your most weather exposed corner, mm-hmm. right? The sun trails east to west. So the south side's getting the longest exposure to sun or heat, right? And sun does a lot of damage to your siding if you have wood siding. Um, and then the rain typically in the Sacramento region comes from the southwest. So we have rain that's driving from the southwest to the northeast. So what I see trend wise is the south and west side is where you're going to have those maintenance related issues where your you know deferred maintenance is going to catch up with you. And then the northeast corner of the roof is usually where you have some kind of fungus condition or failure because the rain drives into that corner. It's, I, I say 90% of the time, I mean, I'm making up these you know, percentages, but yeah. in my experience, it's 90% of the time. It's either a roof line, wood member, the eave itself has dry rot because the gutters, they get overwhelmed. Your opposite side, you're on the receiving side of the rain, right? And yep. it's coming down. Usually there's a downslope of the roof. So it's coming down with a good amount of speed. It overruns the gutter and then everything gets wet and you get it wet long enough. I mean, it's not sun exposed. It's Northeast corner, yeah. right? But you get it wet long enough 
and the wind's blowing that way, it's going to put leaves in that gutter, like you're going to have overflowing gutters. So for whatever reason, that northeast corner is where you're normally going to find a roof issue. That's fascinating. So whether or not you're even thinking about maintaining your property, you're out there looking at homes, this is good information to have. Southwest, yep. look for damage. Northeast, look for damage. Yep. In the roof. In the roof. In eve. the roof. Yep. Wow. And it's like, so they, and the home inspectors will tell you, hey, paint your house every six to 10 years. I mean, painting is expensive, especially if you have um, a, a bigger home, mm-hmm. right? Two stories and how many colors you use matters. Um, so that might not be feasible. But depending on the orientation of your house, like if your front of your house is facing south, um, paint the front of your house every six to 10 years. Paint the front and the west side every six to 10 years. The east side usually isn't exposed to people to see, right? And the south side's your backyard. Yeah. So if you don't paint those sides or the north side's your backyard, well, the north side's not getting sun. So that paint's going to stay fresh, right? Longer. Yeah. And then, so the south side's going to get beat up. The west side's going to get beat up. If you paint those two every six to 10 years, you're doing your due diligence. You're redoing caulking. You're putting a new coat of skin in the paint over that, you know, part of the house. So you're giving the house what you can to, you know, fight back against weather. And what's important about this is, well, one... Just paying hundred dollars for for the inspection every three to five years. Yeah, on a raise, just to crawl, just to crawl. One eighty if you want the whole house. Yeah, right. But I mean, every three to five years, like people will spend that on dinner. People will spend that on Disneyland tickets, yes. right? And why not on your biggest investment, your house? And then you don't even have to repaint the entire house. Like this, this is an investment. This isn't like a cost because that bill is going to come due one way or the other. Because eventually you're going to sell that house. If you say I'm never selling, I'm dying in this house. Well, then your heirs are going to sell the house and have to deal with it. it and so it's just 100. percent Would you? You're laughing. Oh, I over see there. it all the time. I mean, yeah. it's it. It. I'm laughing just because it's so common. Mm-hmm. Where someone's lived in a house for 20 years and they've done very little because the house was stucco, and they're like, "Oh, it's a stucco house. We're good. I don't need to paint." And then they get a eight thousand dollar pest bill, right? Because they're trying to sell. Yeah. Um, like, you know, someone needs to go to a home and they need some money. So they're going to sell the property. And then all that deferred maintenance comes due at once. So wait, what do you mean? I thought stucco, stucco lasted forever. Stuc- well, I mean, <laughs> unfortunately, no. Um, stucco is porous. It's concrete. It's lightweight concrete. So paint helps stucco just like it helps wood siding. And especially around openings, right? You have a wall that's a solid right barrier against weather and the inside of the house. You cut windows into that wall, you cut doors into that wall. Those are all openings, right? Those openings have to be maintained. So if you're not caulking and painting around those openings, you're now opening up gaps for water to get in. And once water gets in, it does what water does, right? It's going to find level, but it's going to travel whatever it has to travel to find level. Mm -hmm. And so everything in that path is going to get affected eventually. And this is why we tell, when we were sitting down with sellers in the living room, we tell them 100% of the time, I don't care if your home is one year old, like brand new, or 100 years old, you're going to have to budget for some repairs. There's just things that come up with the home. And even if it's a stucco siding, the house is heating up and cooling down, heating up and cooling down. Yep. The window frames are heating up and cooling down. We've all driven along like through neighborhoods and you see the cracks or that people are like patching the Especially cracks. Especially the new, the new stucco is a thinner stucco. It's a oh, different really? system. So like the older homes... They have a three coat stucco. So that siding is about an inch to an inch and a quarter thick, right? Which is a pretty good m- barrier, like mm-hmm. it's a good membrane. The newer ones, it's like three eighths. It's just a two coat. Why so why'd they change it? It's well, there's there's a certain stucco system called EFIS that's more of a home inspector thing. Like I'm not a expert on EFIS, but like in Serrano, for instance, you'll see houses they have, you know, they shear them up. So they use uh, particle board uh plywood sheets to tie all the framing together, give it structure. Then they'll paper it and then put a foam, a one inch foam. And then they just spray on a coat of stucco, right? That's like, you know, quarter inch thick. And then they do a texture coat Mm -hmm. and they're done. And that's why the South and the West side of those houses, you'll see a lot of cracks because the house is expanding and they got this thin coat of stucco. And so the, you know, Serrano, there's parts of Serrano where the developers had issues with the windows because of that. You have a thinner stucco and then, you know, you get openings around windows. And that was a thing for a little while. Wow. See, this is another thing about hiring a good inspector is like a good inspector is out in the field day in and day out and they know the different neighborhoods. There's There's trends. trends. They know what to look for. They're not going in blind. Yes. Wow. This stuff doesn't happen on the fly. Like it happens in a sequence. In a sequence. So is there anything else in terms of maintenance that sellers should be on the 
the the lookout for? Caulking around windows, right? And then um, you know you have a lot of stuff storage under your sinks. Um, pull it out every now and then. See if you have water stains. You know nobody really checks their plumbing, and you think it's okay. Well, you're shoving stuff in and out of those shelves. Yep. Right. And so you're banging on that plumbing over and over. And sooner or later, you're going to have a gasket fail. It's going to crack. Absolutely. Right. I was walking the house with a, uh, a guy who flips homes for a living. That's what yep. he does. And the, every single house he walks into, he looks under the sinks. He moves stuff around. He looks That's under it. the sinks. He's like, this is what he does for a living. For him, it's an investment. It might be your home. But guess what? Your home is can also be an investment for Hidden you. Hidden in plain sight. Hidden in plain sight. Same thing with toilets. Like, toilets get loose. Nobody oh, my really gosh. That wax. It. That wax. Think ring. how many times you flush a toilet. Like, if it's the main toilet that everyone uses, like yep. in the living areas, that toilet's getting used a lot. And if the wax seal gets, you know, if it's loose, it's going to work that wax seal down until it's gone. Mm-hmm. And the next thing you know, every time you flush, a little bit of that water is getting underneath the flooring. Yep. You may not see it, but it's no, getting under but the floor. but it's there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So if you're sitting on a toilet and it's kind of wiggling around, man, you got to get that fixed. Yeah, do not, get a reset. Do not wait. That's yeah. like 160 bucks. It's I not mean, a big deal. Yeah. No. I mean, $160 is $160. We'd prefer to spend that on something other than a toilet. You get it cheaper. I mean, but, it's like you could do it yourself. YouTube has a ton of videos. But if you don't get it fixed, like what's the cost? Oh, I've seen, I mean, thousands of dollars, depending on the yeah. house, right? Like I've seen bathroom floors just get destroyed. Yeah. And then you have to rip the tile floor out. Right. And then, yeah. and if you're an escrow, that's a rough situation, which is, oh you, my gosh, pre list, you can, there's no expectation for that bathroom. So you can change the flooring, maybe something cheaper. But yep. if you're an escrow and there's an expectation for a tile floor, I mean, you're just, you're racking them up. That's a perfect segue. So when we come back, we are going to be talking about the pre list inspection and how it can save you thousands of dollars. We'll be right back. You know, you don't have to make the same mistakes that other homeowners have made when it comes to selling your home. Work with someone who knows what they're doing. Johnny Jennings and the Tom Dave's real estate team, there's a reason why they are number one in all of Sacramento. Find out what kind of offers you would get on your home at TomDaves.com and how much you would get if you wanted a cash offer today, no matter what kind of condition your home is in. They can help if you don't have the time or money to make those repairs. Again, and it's Tom D A V E S dot com or give Johnny Jennings a call at 855 Tom Daves. 855 Tom Daves. This is Made for More Living with Johnny Jennings, powered by EXP Realty. Online at madeformoreliving.com. If you've been listening to the show, we have been covering things that cost thousands of dollars that buyers and sellers do not expect when they go to purchase or sell a home. And in this last little segment, we are going to be covering the benefits of a pre-listing inspection. But before we get into that and how it can save you tons of money and make your life a whole lot easier and happier, Matt, you said on the break you've seen over three, you've personally inspected over 3,000 homes. Is that correct? Yeah, it's roughly about 600 a year, give or take. 600 a year. And so out of those over 3,000 homes, almost 3,600 homes, what is your favorite style house? For those for those engineer types, for those people who are detail-oriented, they're like, I want the best house with the minimal amount of uh, deferred maintenance or, you know. I've thought about this way yeah. more than anybody, probably. <laughs> like, this is where I dork out. So, best house is north-facing. So, the front of your house is facing north, back of your house to the south. Cottage style, meaning the front is uh, some type of wood siding, lap siding, whatever. And then stucco from the... Fence line on the left and the right or the east and the west all the way around. So the back three walls are stucco, the front's wood. So you don't have a stucco looking house, right? Mm -hmm. It gives its character. And then because it's facing north, it's opposite weather. So you're not having to shade the house from the sun, right? So you don't have to worry about planting trees. You can plant trees if they fit your curb appeal, but you don't have to clean up leaves, right? It's not necessary to keep the house cool. And the paint is not getting hit by the weather. So the front of the house is going to stay fresher looking, Right. So, you know, you see those south facing houses, they get all beat up and faded and you're like, right. A north facing house is it's going to take way longer for that to happen. Right. And then you have stucco, which is the least maintenance siding covering the weather sides. So the south side, you have stucco siding, the west side stucco siding. So if you maintain around the windows, right, you're pretty good. And then trees, like if you need shade because it gets hot back there because that's the south side, you can plant as many trees as you want. And you don't have to worry about cleaning up the leaves because it's not exposed to the like public area. So yeah. like if you have three big old trees that cast shadows on your house, great. They drop a ton of leaves. It's not the front of your house. So you clean it up when you want. Like only people that see all the leaves in your backyard, you invite over. 
Correct. In right? theory. Yeah. In so theory. you control who gets to see it. Yep. I mean, technically. So north facing house, cottage style. So wood up front, stucco on the back three walls. That is by far my favorite. There like, you go. Easiest to maintain. You heard it. The easiest to maintain by Matt Singer with Good Life. <laughs> but uh, let's say you don't have the best house now, to maintain. Now, go uh, ahead, uh, sorry. Uh, what kind of foundation? Oh, good uh, question. So personally, like I'm a, you know, the construction kind of guy, right? Like I have that kind of skill. I would prefer raised. It's just easier to change up things, especially plumbing. If you have a slab house, you got to, you know, jackhammer concrete. So it would be a raised house for me. Um, if you were looking for the least amount of maintenance and you were happy with the way the house is set up and you're not going to make any changes, slab all day. It's just easier. There you go. All right. Well, there you go. So um, let's talk about, let's say you don't have the perfect house. It's not, it's not, you know, it doesn't have There's the cottage style, yeah. Yeah, doesn't, yeah, have, yeah. doesn't have the stucco. <laughs> You're going to sell the house as a, and this is very common actually in the Bay Area. So we have a lot of people moving from the Bay Area. And so the buyers are selling the house in the Bay. It's a fraction the size of the home they're buying in the Sacramento region. And they're selling it for way more money, but they're moving out here and they're like, where are the inspections? And it's like, okay, we'll make an offer, order your own inspections. That's how we do it over here. And, and they don't like that. No. And quite frankly, I tend to agree with that. Like inspections upfront can save a whole lot of heartache and save, save deals and save sellers a lot of money. And it sets expectations for the buyers. And it's not just the Bay Area doing this. There's other countries around the world. This is just, it's a weird thing that we don't do it. And why, why do you think it that is? is? Why do well, you think? I, the, one of the other benefits about the Bay is like, they only have to make one trip. Mm. Right. If you have the inspections done already, they make one trip, they find the house they like, they look at the inspections, bam, you got an offer. Mm -hmm. They don't have to come up on another weekend to yep. like sit there while they do inspections. And then right? renegotiate. Exactly. Yeah. So um, I just, I, I from my experience, some agents don't, they think that starting with a pre-list is starting off on a bad foot. Mm. Like you're getting bad information or you're getting a negative to begin this, you know, sell of the house. I can understand that, but that's a perspective. Right. That can be and that's a perspective that can be pushed back on really quickly and easily. It's like if you were going to sell a car, wouldn't you want to know the condition of the car before you marketed it? It's the same thing with a house, except on a bigger scale. Exactly. This right? is like you take the car for a test drive. You like the car. You're sitting down to fill out the paperwork. And then all of a sudden they lay out an inspection saying, oh, by the way, the yes. transmission's slipping. And then two, two of the sales lose the wind. Why right? didn't you tell me this before? Exactly. Yeah. And so like what I tell people, this is like an analogy, kind of a uh, poker analogy. If you were going to sit down and play poker and I told you, hey, give me 150 bucks and I'm going to show you three of the other cards you're going to be playing against before they even sit down and play them. Just 150 bucks. You're about to play high stakes poker. Yep. Wouldn't you pay me 150 bucks to see three of their cards? You strategize totally differently. It's not a guessing game. Mm -hmm. And the PEST report and the findings on the PEST report, they not only change leverage, but that's what they, that's like a main tool for negotiating. Yep. And so if you just have to pay a certain amount of money before you go negotiate for hundreds of thousands of dollars on a house, why not? Yep. So that you bring up a really solid point and we've discussed it a little bit earlier, but just to, just to make sure everybody's on the same page. There's two main like negotiations that take place when buying or selling a house. The first one is when you're negotiating the the contract and you're saying, "Hey, let's let's price pri right pri price and um, timelines and things like that." Then, but but if you don't have the inspections, if you haven't done the pre-list, then you're you're basically negotiating blind. And then the inspections, the home, the roof, the pest, the septic, the pool, depending on what you have going on with the home, all those come in. Then the appraisal comes in, and now. And the appraisal may have certain things on it that, that you could have known about before that are now surprises to both you yeah, and the buyer. Yeah, they would have been on the reports. They would have been on the other reports, yeah. Yep. And so now the, the buyer and the, the buyer has all this information. And a lot of times sellers go, well, I'm selling my house as is. I'm doing it as is. This is an as is sale. And I, I tell them all the time, I get that. The standard residential purchase agreement contract states all... All, all, all purchases are as is, but the buyer has the opportunity to do inspections and then say, hey, I'd like these things fixed if we're going to move forward or I'm going to back out of the deal. Yes. So the, the buyer has rights too. Okay. And so oftentimes sellers get caught up on that as is situation and then they're blindsided by all of these, these things that would have and come in a up tighter on the market. In a tighter market, that's huge. And you're dealing with timelines. And so let's say, here's, here's, here's what I typically see go down. The, the seller... Against the advice of a real estate agent, prices the home a little bit high because they want they want to have they want to have some oh, margins to yes, come that's down. That's very typical, right? And, and so then so then they finally get an offer. It's the only offer on the table, 
And now their offer has been accepted on the home they're moving to. Maybe they're moving out of state. Maybe they're staying local. But now they're in contract. Maximum pressure. Maximum (laughs) pressure. Now they're in contract in the next home. And the only way they get that home is if their current home sells. Good old contingencies. Right. And then, and then... They're all they're getting ready to go. They're packing everything up, and then and then the inspections come back, and now you're negotiating the repairs, and now you feel like, hey, I have to figure out a way to make it work with this buyer. Or I'm going to lose that next. You've home. given up all your leverage. You've given up all the leverage. All of it. And so I see time and time again that costs sellers thousands and thousands and thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars, all because they didn't want to spend how much on a pre. Well, it's, I mean, if for a pest, it's 150, right, for a slab, and then. Yeah. Like a lot of people don't want to do, that's another reason they don't do pre-list is they, they figure the buyers are going to spend the money on the inspections. Like, why would I? Mm-hmm. And a home inspection is like, you know, three to 500 bucks. So they don't want to spend, the home is usually the first one they don't want to spend money on for, yeah. for a pre-list. The pest then comes in second because it's cheaper and we give estimates so it can be used like as a weapon for a buyer. But what you're saying is a hundred percent accurate and I've, I've lived it and it's, it's a shame. Right. Because they have to get out. They have a house that they have to sell this one to get into. And now they're in a rock and a hard place where they were thinking they were in a driver's seat and then everything got flipped. And now instead of being proactive, you're completely reactionary. And the worst part is, let's say you say, screw it. You know what? This is not working out. I cannot afford to do this. I'm just going to put the home back on the market and we'll figure it out later. Well, guess what? Now your home is essentially a pre-list home because you have to disclose all the findings. And you change the perspective on the market, right? Because you're relisting. And it's like, why didn't the home sell? There's a stigma on the home. That's it. Right? And so just just begin with the end in mind. Save yourself a whole lot of heartache. Get the pre-list from Good Life Inspections. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. So if you have any so questions. So where can they find more information about what you guys do? Online. Exactly. Um, our website is Good Life Group. We were formerly North American. So you can still look up North American uh, Home Services and it'll it'll reroute you to Good Life. Um, we also do general construction services. So like if you move into a house and you want to renovate a kitchen, um, change a bathroom, whatever, we have the capacity to do that. We are a very large construction company who's diverse, right? There's nothing that happens at a house that we can't handle. I don't like the term jack of all trades, master of yes. none. Like you guys are like a jack of all trades, masters master of, of everything. All. Yes, we're yeah. masters of the universe. Yeah. We're like the He-Man of inspecting exactly. and construction. Well, thanks again for hopping on the show, Matt Singer, uh, with Good Life Instruction. Thank you everybody for listening. We'll see you next week.